So hi guys and welcome to Unravel with me Kojo Pinkren. Today we're going to discuss a very troubling social issue here in Ghana. So if you're listening outside Ghana, this might be relative to you, mostly when you are within the African continent. But um, we're going to make sure that we give you guys a lot of in-depth analysis on the conversation today. Um, when I put out the flyer, a lot of you were so much interested in when I release this. So I am going to do justice to this. Now, what this discussion is now about is an endorsement of actors. We are in no way going to say that we support the action of party A, B, C in the conversation today. Secondly, what this is now about is that we are not going to rationalize that as well, the reasons why these individuals are taking the action. Because if you are not careful and we give out the asserted reasons why these guys are going out there, killing, um, 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 vandalizing national state property, burning down cars and all that it looks like a rationalizing of the ideas and ideologies of this individual we don't think that we fairly represent those thoughts in this audio thirdly what this is not about is taking sides so that's probably um an, an inference from the first thing we want to categorically say that we're not taking sides with any side in, in today's debate we, we totally condemn vandalism hooliganism in all forms now the topic for today's discussion is the western Togoland saga freedom fighters or terrorists the basic definition or the basic difference between a freedom fighter and a terrorist is the means of um, discussing their grievances so the means of discussions is very important in the vast majority of instances it, def- it, def- it defines who a terrorist is and who a freedom fighter is but there's a very thin line between these two actors because in the vast majority of instances again individuals whenever are under oppression resort to um, for the want of a better expression counter force to resolve their problem and that is a problem that we face as a country now i'm not going to spend too much time telling you the history of the western togoland saga because we think that going back and telling the stories all over again although maybe repetitive but brings back memories and sort of you know rationalizes the whole action but we're going to do a fair you know like how do you call it um just brush through it now the german protectorate um, lost its control over um the togoland area and thus Togo was divided into two, the French Togoland and the British Togoland, because they were the ruling part of the, let me say, they put it the world. Now, when Ghana was hel- uh, moving on to independence, UN and its um, members agreed that um, these colonies can no longer be, colonial masters can no longer have colonies or colonial rule over these places which means that it's important that they let go now there was what we call the plebiscite that meant that the area from upper west down to the Volta region that was formerly the french sorry the british togoland were given the opportunity through what we call a plebiscite to decide whether or not they want to be independent states or be part of ghana it is clear that there were political agents like the mpp and Western Togoland Liberation Movement, or something like that, who were engaged massively in campaigning for or against the plebiscites. Best practices say that plebiscites are not supposed to be campaigned for, and that it's supposed to be willing, a willing action of the select 
in a select group of people. But that's not even the conversation in today's discussion. The conversation in today's discussion is that the majority of people within the area agreed to join Ghana. You'd hear on other platforms that, well, there are people who said no, most especially the southern part of Volta region. But the problem in that as, uh, argument is that regardless of the expression of that select few to not be a part of the, uh, of the then Gold Coast, does not delegitimize the actions of the majority because plebiscites like elections in the vast majority of instances are majoritarian in number which means that you need a lot of people to say yes so regardless of people saying no regardless of people saying no it does not delegitimize the action for example in ghana when npp and ndc have voted into power so i hope other had say 55 percent mahama had 44 percent it means that there are 44 percent of Ghanaians who do not agree to Akufuado being president. However, it doesn't delegitimize Akufuado's presidency because there are 55 percent of people who agree to him being a president. So, if majority of people agree to join Ghana, it it means that I mean they can join Ghana. That's basically what it means. So, like all those things that you hear on social media going around is really false. Now. I've done my best to give you a fair idea about what this is about. I don't want to go into the rationalizing of the reasons and all that. Now, the conversations around secession on about of these Western Togolanders, you need to know that they didn't start in 2019. Please, it dates as far back as 1993, even 1956. It will interest you to know that there is a parliamentary hazard, and there are communications. That starts to mean, or that starts to say, that around 1956, even on the eve, that's the 5th of March 1957, there was a supposed coup attempt, or there was a supposed, um, how do you call it, um, chaos or chaotic action that the Western Togoland area, the individuals they were planning against the, the pronouncement of independence on the 6th of March. The then Prime Minister, that is um, Nkrumah, had to deploy state military. To shut them down so the conversation on secession really did not start today at all it's been a conversation that has been happening over and over and over again in different forms and in different governments as far back as 1993 you know the member of parliament clearly said and has been captured in the 1993 parliamentary hazard that if the ndc loses power the western togolanders would secede in quotes he says that it is better to be for them to be under the worst form of government of the NDC than the best form of government of the MPP, which means that they are so much more interested in being under the government of the MPP and they so much hate the MPP. So it doesn't fascinate me and I mean most people who are doing the listening if the how do you call it if this is happening within the MPP era, it is something that has been happening. I'm not saying that there's a direct correlation between the comments of that individual or that, that member of parliament and the actions of these people but it will introduce you again that that member of parliament was member of parliament for hohoi constituency which is in the voter region so there's a i mean that shows that the conversations was happening and has been happening for a long time in history in today's discussion we are going to show you the implications of this particular action not only on ghana but on au on incromers legacy on ECOWAS and on other beneficial um, actions or beneficial ends that the country as, as a whole has earned within the years. But the stark difference between 
and I've, I've already said it. The second difference between terrorism and freedom fighters is mostly the means. But at the back of every conversation or the back of every reason why someone wants to be a freedom fighter or uh, be a terrorist is an action of self-defense. So or we want to defend ourselves from the oppression, the oppressor and all these things. But one thing that you need to know clearly is that self-defense as a mechanism is important only when there's no alternative means of redress. So if there's no alternative means of redress, so for example, if you cannot do anything about it, if the only option you have is to pick up arms, then it is justified. But in the case where there are options, for you to take and you still go for these hash options or these hash mechanisms or these hash measures it is no more a self-defense but it is a terroristic act against the sanctity and the security of the state in which you are fighting to secede from so that is it self-defense is justified if there is no other um, means of defense if there's no other means of defense then self-defense is justified but clearly clearly there are forms of redress that the constitution provides in times like this negotiations speaking to stakeholders and all these things are very relevant in making sure that we come to a consensus on what the state can do in times like this so yes these individuals are clearly not aware of probably are aware about clearly doing certain things that must not have been done in the first place so now I've already spoken about the plebiscite, why it is done, and yep, I've already done this. Good. Now, let's look at the analysis of, of the impact of these guys' actions. So, clearly, I've given you objective stance as to what means, what is meant by self-defense as a reason for someone doing something and also i'll give you an analysis about the difference between terrorism and and what we call freedom fighting but it's very interesting to know that the beacon of africa as a stance that the hope of africa in many journals has been said to be ghana which means that ghana is the pride of africa ghana is the country that everybody looks up to because it's the first country in africa to have gained independence notice that liberia was not independent like colonized so it means that like they are not part but above from liberia Ghana is the first country that gained independence under the leadership of the Nkrumah-led Bixis, the Nkrumah-led Bixis, which means that if you are idolizing anybody under the score of unity, progression, and freedom, freedom fighting, it is the Nkrumah-led Bixis, and that is why it's important to have this analysis today on this audio. So, the Nkrumah agenda is to have a united Africa. A united Ghana that is capable of managing its whole affairs, that is its own words, managing its own affairs and making sure that Ghana realizes its full potential. Now, the Nkrumah ideology sought to mean, and the reason why Nkrumah even engaged in that plebiscite in 1956 was to make sure that we collectively build a united front to in facing the West that has, has always been marginalizing the, the black making us second class human beings which means that what all Nkrumah wanted at the end of the day is that Africa is united and Africa is progressive in nature now what this does to the Nkrumah ideology is that it rolls back all the gains that have been done 
in the regard of the Nkuma agenda and it it it, it mars his, his his progress and and all that we don't, we don't think that the legacy of Nkuma as it stands today should be you know left for agents like this to mar i mean Nkuma regardless of his negatives and his shortfalls is the reason why Ghana is where it is today believe me or not and we need to protect his legacy by all means so the unionism that Nkrumah was fighting for is the main reason why we have this unitary republic. The unitary republic as pronounced on the 1st of July 1960, a unitary republic as Ghana. The actions of these individuals attacked the very constitution that made Ghana a unitary republic, which means that they are fighting the constitution, they are fighting the very relevance of Ghana as a unitary state. And by constitution, any agent that attacks the sovereignty of the republic is an enemy. Any agent that sort of wants to break the unity or the unism within the African continent, or sorry, the Ghanaian political or Ghanaian social space, must be seen as an enemy. And that is why the, 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 the state is putting out um, state, um, the military and its state's defense to um, fight against these things. Now, one of the problems that Nkrumah fought against is fragmentation. So fragmentation is when a part of the block or a part of a big, uh, a bigger circle or circuit wants to, you know, secede or wants to move off. Like those little things are stuff that made, uh, made other countries go down. So in this analysis or in this program, in this episode, I'm going to give you an, a case study of some countries that have had secessions and how their current state is today. Mind you, the secession is only necessary if there are other indicators that are in place within the region that you find yourself. I mean, the biggest question I asked myself in today's discussion or when I, when I started following these issues are, what are the economic opportunities in voter region that makes them so much confident that if today we allow them to secede, they are going to achieve the ends that they want to achieve? Like, like there is little to no economic viability economic resources that can even boost their gdp and all those things i mean if the conversations they are having note that this is really not a rationalization but engaging them even at their best so if their engagement is that oh well um guys um we were promised development but um after say 65 years we are still not seeing the development what do we do now you can draw a policy initiative out of your disadvantaged end, i.e. being forgotten totally from the national development distributions. You can draw up policy initiatives, you can start conversations and all that. I mean, there are nicer ways of engaging the issues like that. So if your case is about underdevelopment, the solution to underdevelopment is not being a unitary, like being a different state on your own. The solution to underdevelopment is driving conversations and making the people are aware and people take you seriously and people are interested in making sure that you get what you want. You get it, and that is what is most important rather than secession. So there is a gross impact of the actions of these individuals on Pan-Africanism. You know that Ghana last year started what they called or what we call the Ghana Beyond Aid Agenda. That meant that, um, sorry, the whole Ghana, be, um, the year of return, that sought to bring back home people in the Caribbean and the diaspora, back home 
for them to be a part of the Ghanaian dream, the African agenda, and all those things. Now, Pan-Africanism, in its in its essence, is progressive, which means that it is an ideology that seeks to progress Africa into something that is bigger than itself, or into 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 a more united front, in, in, into a front that sort of gets things done, a front that is that has the, a, a higher bargaining chip and all that. Now, this particular action by the Western Togolanders. <laughs> right now we are even confused. Even to call them Togolanders or Togolese. I mean, that's that's even beside the point. But the actions of these individuals undermine the essence of Pan-Africanism. And I've already en- engaged the idea that Pan-Africanism is an idea that was started by Nkoma and Ghanaian. So listen, the reason why we even don't have a United Africa is because some countries didn't vote for United Africa at the Organization of African Unity meeting in Addis Ababa. But Today, the conversation is still going. I mean, in the wake of Black Lives Matter, where blacks are realizing that the only way for them is to come back home, come to Africa and do these things, actions of this nature undermine the existence of the, this progression. And that's the problem that we are facing. Owing to the fact that there is no clear-cut reason, big reason, superior reason, that backs their claim for an independent state like there's no clear-cut reason i don't want to be mentioning the reason sort of rationalizing and taking them one by one and explaining them to you that is why i'm i'm putting them in one i don't want this podcast to be the podcast that sort of rationalized it i'm being very careful in my submissions but in this monologue what we are interested in is telling you the implications of their actions i've told you the implications of on chromized ideology on unity and unionism i've told you, told you about the impact on fragmentation and how this fragmentation is um, anti-progressive in nature i've also told you about pan-africanism and this is the current thing i'm on so pan-africanism i've, I've, I've discussed it in detail so i mean they it's it, you clearly have implications on, on on a vast majority of of how do you call it of, of persons not only them um, other parts of the country and the problem with this also again is that if we do not engage these individuals whether it is state might or whether it is through negotiations people or terrorist groups can hide behind these individuals to cause harm where in this country we have experienced neighboring countries and even african countries who who had issues starting like this and you know it's 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 bloated out into mass murders massacre and all that we need to as a country engage this issue head on and try as much as possible to solve it once and for all because i've told you that early as early as 1957 there was a conversation for secession just even about a year after the plebiscite there was a conversation on secession which means that these people have been you know the leader of the group papavi it means the, the guy is 85 years and it means that averagely he was there when all these things were happening so it's like there's 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 always been this conversation about succeeding 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 and most of the conversations is about development if it's about development we think that the state should be focusing on developing that area i mean the average region or averagely every region must have a fair share of the national care we don't think as we need to um, um, deprive people from 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 engaging in these things but one of the things that interested me and my production team was the fact that it makes ghana lose its moral rights in solving 
continental and even international crisis. Now, this is the problem. Currently, there's an uproar in Mali. Akufuadu, His Excellency Akufuadu, has been elected as the chairman of the Economic Community of West African States, which means that Akufuadu is the lead consultant or the lead agent in making sure that Mali is returned to civilian rule. Now, in the event of this rising, if Akufuadu or His Excellency is even initiating conversations on the Malian crisis, it makes him have less moral rights because in, in his company, sorry, in his country, there are conversations about secession, about terrorism, about like these, 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 um, 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 you know, mass, how do you call it, harm causing and all that. Like, a lessens Ghana's bargaining power on the table with respect to bringing normancy back to some countries, for example, as I've said, Mali and the like. So, what all we are saying this evening on, on that underscore on of moral rights is that Ghana has been seen to be a beacon. It's important that we protect this particular ideology in the sovereignty and personhood of the country of us as a country and as a people. And for us to do so, we need to make sure that we hold our moral rights and bargaining chip in high esteem. That is lost when we engage these people or when we allow these people to do what we call the terrorist movement. Now the motive behind actions are mostly the things that, as it were, differentiates one action from the other. So, for example, intent. So, in, in judging whether or not someone is culpable for an action, we look at the intent and whether or not the person acted on that intent. So, the motive behind these assertions as reasons why these guys want to move out, I've told you clearly, are mainly based on developmental challenges and how they have been sidelined as a people if that is your motive for leaving and that is the biggest case if Ghana as a country can solve that for you would you still leave these guys say yes why because all they want is to be leaders in themselves which means that for for, for me and for some average Ghanaians the the our thought is that well it moves beyond then it moves beyond actually just developmental challenges. There are people really behind this who are pushing this under the backdrop of developmental challenges. There are people who are so much interested in Ghana. Uh, these people succeeding in, in, in the in the theory of they becoming leaders and all that. I wouldn't want to even move into those assertions, the, the, the realms of conspiracies. But these individuals clearly have little to no graphs on their motive agenda. And the means within which they are taking these actions are brutal you know that states must or are encouraged to protect their integrity and sovereignty at all times that is why invading into states are criminal and you know attacking countries can like attacking a president or a state agency in, in, in any country can be seen as a gross criminal offense you get it no so um, i meant so if these individuals, if these Western Togolanders have had the guts to attack the police station, right, a pol a police station in the Volta region, injure a district police commander, this is a direct attack on the sovereignty of the state of Ghana. And that's why a lot of people are calling for the brutal force of this, the use of state might, where these guys are shown where power lies. But there's a group, another group of other things that, well, 
if you maybe what these guys want is attention if you do not tread cautiously and use state might and brutal force and all those things you risk the idea or you risk the chance of you having a peaceful outcome why because then these guys will be motivated more to be engaging in that particular vandalistic acts and all that so i mean the country as a state necessarily has not given us a clear direction where we are going so his the administration has not come out clearly to say a b c d what upon Nkoma has the minister of information has done at best is to tell us that well they know who, those who are financing the these guys they are going to publish the book their list and they are going to make sure that they deal with them that's beside the point that's that's not what Ghanaians want that's like they're just a peripheral issue what we want to know is that well these guys want this this is what you are going to do and this is how we saw the solution in total Telling us that you have been the names of finances and all those things is really what the, the is not really what the states want. So clearly, these are people who want to be an independent state, like their French Togolese counterparts. They they are an independent state, and they are working with the assumption that everything will be fine when they are made independent states. Clearly, I've shown you that one. There's no economic buoyant economic activity within the region. And there are little chances that there's going to be some created in the near future and, and even in the next century. So it makes it makes their whole argument for secession very difficult to 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 to, to even back because of their like their lack of reasons. I mean, and the means through which they are trying to succeed is very wrong. And it also brings into question the strength of our state security agencies. A lot of people were calling or questioning how state agencies could watch like for such a, a major crime to be committed on Ghanaian soil i mean i think that i agree to some extent with these individuals i would immediately call for um the security agencies to sit up because guys if you can sit here in this country for this thing to happen we don't know the next thing and i think we are being told that these guys are now having um AKs for the seven rifles, they stole guns and all those things. Charlie, guys, we need to work hard as a country. This is this is going to be the first episode. In my next on the Western Togoland series, in my next series, I'll be sitting down with two gentlemen, and we're going to be discussing the political implications, economic implications, and we'll delve into the social implications of this into, into details. This episode will just to give you an, a general overview of, about what is happening, its implications, and whether or not these individuals are acting in the right respect. My name. Samuel Kujupinkra, you can follow us on all social media networks, it's Botaipa Podcast on Facebook, it's Unravel with KP on Twitter, it is Matters with KP on Twitter, and on Instagram it's at Botaipa Consult, on Audiomark it's at audiomark.com first, like P-H-E-C Media, Fake Media, thank you very much for listening to this monologue, and you want, we, we would appreciate that you tell give us your feedback, and you will tell us that you love this, and you would always listen to us. Thank you very much for doing and listening. Yes, catch you some other time.